right, welcome back to another episode of the Carter Cast. I'm your host, Carter Bond. With me, as always, Connor. We're doing basketball today. NBA. We're doing the NBA pod today. Uh, we're back. We're back doing the NBA. It's January. College football's dead. No more college football. We, we'll be back with college football in August. I'm sure some random news will come out. Yeah, we'll probably talk about the Saban retiring thing on next week's episode mm-hmm. and everything. But it's NBA time. It's NBA basketball season. We're... Football slowly getting in the rearview mirror. Yes, I love football, but Connor, we're basketball people. Don't get me wrong, and th- this is going to be a hot take, unpopular opinion. I love football. I love the NFL. I love college football. I'm begging for it every single summer. But man, one of my favorite parts of the year is like trade deadline heats up for the NBA. I love all the rumors. Love all the basketball talk, and then conference tournament season in college, March Madness, right into the NBA playoffs. That's hard to beat. Like basketball, it's always been my thing. Like we started the show doing basketball. Our first few episodes were NBA that I was on. We're back. We're back to our bread and butter. This is what the Carter Cast is all about. Sorry, Dylan. Maybe you'll get on one of these shows eventually. We'll have to see a college basketball blog tryout, but we're back. I'm excited to talk hoops. Yeah, once the website gets uploaded next Monday, Martin Luther King Day, CarterCast.com should be back up. So stay tuned for that. But uh, okay, if you're okay. listening, uh, it'll be Friday. Uh, January 12th. We're recording right now, Thursday, January 11th at like 2.20 Eastern time. The NBA, I don't even know where to start. I guess we can start with the Celtics because they're the best team, but, and we can just dive right into it. We can talk about schedules and everything right that for the Mm -hmm. Cardercast later, but let's just dive right into this. The Celtics, they're 29 and eight last night, big win over the cell or in, in Boston over the Timberwolves. We're blowing it here early on here. We're blowing it. We're blowing it early on. Shaking the rust off on the basketball show. I know. I got too much football in my mind. We got Belichick, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban all (laughs) retiring at the same time. You're like, is there an Epstein list for all these football coaches? What's going on here? But no, we got it's basketball. Anyhow, Celtics beat the Timberwolves in overtime last night. Jason Tatum came up in the clutch. Two great plays at the end in overtime. Absolutely killed it. Uh, that felt like a playoff game. Like, randomly, you know, throughout the regular season, it feels like once every two weeks or so, maybe once a week at best, we get a game where you're like, whoa, that felt like a real playoff game. That Mm -hmm. felt like an intense back and forth. People are playing 100%. And then, because most of the time, especially right now in January, like, if you watch the Nuggets Jazz last night on ESPN, you're like, all right, the Jazz are going 95 100%. The Nuggets were maybe going at 50%. Maybe. Well, you saw the stat. The Nuggets have lost like 12 13 in Utah. That was clearly a game they didn't care. But, yeah, the, the Boston game, it had that atmosphere. It did. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And we won't, we're not going to sit here and break down individual games or anything. Yeah. But that game does give you the confidence. It's games like those in the regular season where you're like, oh, crap, this Celtics team – there's a reason they're the betting favorite. There's a reason they are the favorite. They probably have the best five in the NBA. I don't think it's even close, to be honest. I completely agree. I mean, you're talking about five-man lineups. I mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago, even. The five-man lineups with 300 or more minutes played together, this Celtics starting five is number one in net rating. Best in the league by far, by a healthy margin. And if you look at them one through five, and then Al Horford off the bench even, one through six, there's not really a weak link. They have the offense, they have the playmaking, they have the defense, they have the glue guys as far as like Derek White, Drew Holiday, just constantly getting an opposing guard's grill on defense. You look at some of these past teams of greatness where it's like LeBron in Miami or even some of these Warriors teams where they had a weak link at the five spot. This Celtics team, there's no weak link. There's not. There's not something you can point to where it's like, uh, that fifth guy, he's going to bone us in the playoffs. Like, can't really trust, you know, Mike Miller might have a game here and there or... 
can we trust Festus Azili in a playoff series if you're the Warriors? Like, there's none of that with this Celtics team. That's why they're the most scary team in the East. A hundred percent, because I think that, like, people were crapping on the Jalen Brown contract. I was crapping on it. I still think it's a bad contract, but yeah. if you win one title, who gives a crap about the contract? All that matters yeah. is getting that one title, and he's playing out of his mind this season. He's been fantastic. I think I, I just don't see the like you said. I don't see the weak spot in this team. Like you, you were like, oh, maybe they're gonna miss Robert Williams. Well, the matter of the fact is, he only played forty percent of the games anyways and couldn't stay healthy. And when he was on the court, he was great. But I mean, if you're not gonna play, you're not gonna play. The fact that they've also remained relatively very healthy this season is pretty remarkable thinking about the guys of Porzingis. Like, Porzingis has been healthy. That's right. the craziest part. Like, yeah, he's that, probably missed, what, like eight eight games so far? Yeah, he missed if, the game last night, but it hasn't been like a, a lingering thing. Yeah, if Porzingis plays 65 games in the regular season, you're thrilled. You're, you're, right. you're probably going to win 60 games as this Celtics team is. And right now, as of today, January 11th, would you say the Celtics are going to win the NBA title? I would. I think they're the most complete team. And you talk about this year's roster, it's really been addition by subtraction. You know, Marcus Smart, he was a great Celtic. He had a lot of good moments for them, defensive player of the year. They get rid of him. That opens up into Drew Holiday, indirectly Porzingis with that whole trade. And you know what else it opens up? More Derek White minutes. Of guys that play at least 30 minutes per game, Derek White is number one in the NBA in net rating. And you know what? You feel it. It's not one of those stats where it's like, what the hell? Like, this can't be right. Every game he has an impact. It's an offensive rebound on a free throw to save a possession last night against the Timberwolves. It's a huge putback last year in the playoff series. It's just so many plays that he makes that is so underrated. And this team as a whole, number two in defensive rating behind, well, the Timberwolves. But last night, I don't know. It, it, was, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. And this Celtics team, it's hard not to say they're the best team in the league. And if you go back to 2017, when they first paired up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, this game last night was kind of the kind of the vision. Like that is the dream. Where Brown has 35 and 11, Tatum has 45, making huge shots down the stretch. They don't turn the ball over that much. Only two turnovers from Jalen Brown last night and 43 minutes played. This is the vision for the Celtics team. And now they have the supporting cast around him. And this is the last year for this duo where it's like, should we break up Tatum and Brown? This is the year where we really find out. Because if they can't win with this roster, then maybe it is time to kind of talk about moving on. If they make the finals, though, you got to repeat. You got to bring it back. I, I agree. I agree. And they're on the right track right now. I don't think that's going to be a question. But remember last year, everybody was like, the Celtics shouldn't re sign Jalen Brown of this huge deal. Is this is this Brown and Tatum pairing legit? With this team around them, it is. Let me, let me paint you this scenario then. I'm just going to name a team and you tell me if the Celtics beat them in a seven game series. Okay. Bucks. Yes. Do not trust their defense. Anybody else in the East? No, I, I do not see a team in the East challenging these Celtics. Not even the, the zombie heat, as people like to refer to them last year. It's not going to be enough this year. The Celtics are a completely revamped roster from last year. Clippers? No. No, I can't get there yet. I, I think the Clippers have been great lately. Can't get there. Yeah, Celtic, I think Celtics whooped the Clippers in a seven-game series. Mm, Lakers? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, don't think, I think Celtics might sweep. If the Lakers played, especially right I now, agree. I mean, June, 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 things would change. But right now, I mean, Celtics, yeah, I think they would sweep them. I still think they will come June if they ended up in the finals together. Yeah. The only team you really see competing with the Celtics are the Nuggets. Yeah. And that's so not even the Thunder. 
I think they're probably a year or two no. away, right? No, Thunder, Thunder are not making the finals. Yeah, I, I agree with the Nuggets just because what we saw in the playoffs last year, you can never count Jokic out. But I think the Celtics team is much better equipped to play them than in years past because you talked about it. Rob Williams, you know, the injury risk. He was playing 40% of the games. If they played the Nuggets in another series this year, I'm trusting Horford and Porzingis to at least, at least try to slow Jokic down. You're never going to stop him. You're never going to make him have an off night. Like his off night is going to be 25, 10, and 8. But at least make it difficult for him to set everything up on offense. I think they have the tools on the wing to shut down Murray, shut down Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon. They're just really well equipped for a seven-game series against any team in the league, to be honest. Yeah, it's I, – I mean, I would take the Nuggets over the Celtics still. I think I'm going Boston this year. I mean, and you know, I'm basing that off the Nuggets regular season where they've been coasting, but still, I, I am high on the Celtics team right now. I'm, I think it's Celtics-Nuggets in the, in the finals. I don't, I and that really would be an awesome like, series. Like, genuinely think about this right now. Like, if you think about the NFL playoffs right now, it's pretty hard to convince yourself out of anything outside of Niners, maybe Ravens, Niners, Ravens, or Niners, Bills. Like, yeah, it, it seems like it's just like that. It seems like it's Nuggets, Celtics, or Nuggets, maybe Bucks. Yeah, I think so. But especially Is in the East. Just, like, this, I feel like the Celtics are head and shoulders above every team in the East right now. I think the Nuggets are too. I th- I don't think we've seen this Nuggets team play eighty percent this season once. Yeah, I think that's a fair I, point. Like they, I mean, did you watch, like if you watch the Warriors game that TNT one where Jokic hits the buzzer beater? They yeah. didn't even give a crap about that game. They they're like, all right, last four minutes, let's turn it on, let's try and win this game. Yeah, like oh, we're still in it, so now we'll turn it on. Exactly. Yeah, it's, but, it's cr- crazy, but. Back to the Celtics. Yeah, I think they're unbelievable. The, the, I think the biggest difference this year, too, is you're, we're seeing a super aggressive Tatum. Uh, I, I'm sure the stats back it up, too. He's rebounding at a higher rate. He's probably – I don't know about his free throw differences from last year to this year. But when you watch the game and you're watching it, you know, night to night, you can just see there's a different fire in him this season. It's like cliches, that is to say. Yeah, he's averaging eight and a half boards a game, and he's playing that four position pretty consistently with the, with this line that they have. The other thing about the Celtics, and Tatum is a big contributor to this, they play they play like modern basketball. As stupid and cheesy as it is, they're first in the league in three-point attempts and first in three-point makes. They run and gun, they get the ball off the court, they hit their threes. And, that, and you look at a team like the Lakers, I think they're 30th, dead last in three-pointers attempted. And they're not good this year. So, I don't know. No, they're not. We'll get to the Lakers later. Uh, talking about the team the Celtics beat last night, let's talk yep. about the Timberwolves. They're number one in the West. Number one they in the are. West. We did say, we're like, hey, watch out. Like, this feels like a regular season team. Genuinely, let me ask you this. Do you see a world where the Timberwolves find themselves in the finals? No, I don't. And you know what, you know what I want to compare this to? The 60-win Atlanta Hawks from the days of LeBron just absolutely torching them. I think they're a little bit better than that because defense travels in the playoffs. But it kind of feels a little like ah, two more, playoff series wins. It, it feels a little more... Yeah, when the Jazz were first in the West. Well, they have Mr. Regular Season, Rudy Gobert, on both those teams. There's your common denominator. Yeah, because, like, dude, I don't – and I feel like people are, you know, Timberwolves fans, if they saw this, they'd be like, oh, you guys haven't watched the Timberwolves. I've watched the Timberwolves. You guys are killing it. They're balling. Great defense. Anthony Edwards is that guy. Maybe it's just the name, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, I mean, I know that's like a cheap answer and just being like, but if I close my eyes, I don't see this team making the winning the title. Like we saw, like you just have to compare it to these other teams in the league. 
I don't see them beating the Nuggets. Let's really yeah. put this down. Clippers Timberwolves would be a great series. Everyone's healthy. I bet the Clippers were probably favored in Vegas. Well, I trust the Clippers more. They have more dudes that come through into games. Anthony Edwards is awesome. He's the number one guy on this team. He's going to be a top five player in the league. But he still has those nights where he's like two for nine or four for 14, and he has seven or nine points. Now, there are games he has 40, and he takes over games, but he does have those off nights. And in a playoff series, if you have two of those off nights, you're screwing your team when you're the best player. So you I, I don't trust the, the Wolves in a series like that. You mentioned this question. You're, I have it right here on the, uh, on the old Google Doc. Saying the looking back at the Gobert trade, you know, yeah, uh, would you do it again? Kind of thing. Uh, let me get the exact phrasing here. To, so saying, are they a legit contender, and should we revisit the Gobert trade? I still think it's the the worst trade in NBA history. They gave up a lot. That I still to this day, even with them, the defensive rating number one in the West, they still gave up too much for Rudy Gobert. That's bottom line. That will never change. But it doesn't look as horrible as the worst trade in NBA history anymore, so, right? I think it does because the thing is, let's get look, the second. None of this matters right now. They could finish seven, 69 wins this season, sixty nine mm-hmm. and thirteen. They 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 only lose two games the rest of the season. They are balling. They're playing out of their minds, and then they have to play a team like the Lakers or the Warriors in the first round, and they could very easily lose to an eight seed. In the West. Yeah. Very easily so, so, could lose. So that's how you're measuring this trade success is what they do in the playoffs. I guess that's all that really matters. I think that's all that matters. Well, you got to make it to the Western Conference Finals, especially for that kind of trade. I think that's yeah. how a, tra- a trade of that magnitude has to be measured by it. I think like how the Suns are, tr- when they traded for Kevin Durant, th- that's what those trades have to be shown as. I mean, if, they get, if he gets hurt, that's totally different. But if he's healthy mm-hmm. and he's playing... The difference is, in a seven-game series, we've seen it time and time again, and I say this all the time in the NBA, I don't know why we deviate from what we know. In a seven-game series, they're going to attack Gobert. They're going to figure out Gobert, get him into space, and get him switched onto a smaller guard and mess up that whole defense. And eventually, at the end of games, Gobert's going to be unplayable. And then you give up all this money, all this talent, all you know, Walker Kessler, all these draft picks, for a guy you can't play at the end of a playoff game. And I still, like, I cannot get over that hump. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe in this Timberwolves team. You know what? I think those are all fair points. I agree with them, especially the Gobert in the playoffs thing. But let's just let just let them have a, a small victory. Let's give them a little credit. They've turned it around since last year. Because last year it looked like Towns and Gobert were not playable even in the regular season whenever they were both healthy. It was like, oh my God, this is really bad. Gobert this year, I mean, he's number one defensive rating of guys over 30 minutes a game, and he's number one in defensive win shares. He's probably going to be a top three candidate for defensive player of the year again. I think he's and won good three for already. Go for it. Like, yeah. You should be. He's dominated on defense. I, I have people who have a problem with Gobert winning defensive player of the years and all this stuff. Like During the regular season, he is that guy. Like The defense is – this is the same thing that happened in Utah is you know, mm-hmm. guys like Donovan Mitchell and other guys who were overrated defenders – because of how good Rudy Gobert was during the regular season where they can just lead the guy into the paint and lead him into Gobert and Gobert can just swat his crap. You know, just or lead him into your Gobert. Or your talent, your cement feet closing out and then let him drive right by him. Exactly. You're, you're playing you're playing Jimmer Fredette. You're playing fat guy at a Mormon church defense where once the guy <laughs> makes the first crossover move, you're going to swing and gamble at the reach and then, yeah. then they're just going to drive into a bigger Gobert and they're like, oh crap. 
and when you see that, you're going from Denver on a Monday night, and then you got to go play Minnesota on a back-to-back. You're not going to have time to prepare for that. But in a seven-game series, you do, and we've seen it. Right. That was the last thing I wanted to bring up about this Wolves team is Gobert, you know, probably going to be defensive player of the year, and that's fine. Like you said, regular season award. Seven-game series, teams have time to prep for it. Even if they have a, a good game one and game two, teams will figure out how to beat him. That's just who he is as a player. It's who, When you have him in the middle, you're going to get regular season success. You're going to get lob threat. You're going to get defensive guy in the paint. But there's so much five out, iso ball, screen hunting. They hunt players every possession in a seven-game series in the playoffs. That's just who Gobert is. You can't trust him in those situations. We saw it every single season in Utah when they would underachieve in the playoffs. And, you know, I want to give the Timberwolves the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, they looked awesome this year, but I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I will not trust them in most seven-game series, especially after, like, round one. Do I trust them to get to a conference finals? I don't know. Not against a team that knows how to screen hunt with experienced guys on the team like that. Even if they get – like, there's a chance Phoenix could be an eight seed and get stu- – or a seven seed and get stuck with the Timberwolves in the first round. You're going to bet against Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker against this T-Wolves team. But I do want to, like, say this, though, because I think this is very important. This is different than the Utah team that we're comparing the Gobert stuff to because it was Donovan Mitchell, Gobert, and then it was, like, Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, yeah. They they have Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are their two best players. Then it's Gobert, which is a big difference. Because And Anthony Edwards, I think, is better than Donovan Mitchell was. So I think I that's a, hu- a huge, huge difference. I, I don't think that should be understated. I still don't believe in them, though, as much. Well, and and this year's Timberwolves team, Jalen McDaniels, or Jaden McDaniels, sorry, God. Jaden McDaniels, um, He's better than any perimeter. He's better than any perimeter defender Utah had on those teams. I mean, Bogdanovich and Ingles—they weren't really locked down on that team. I think McDaniel's is a top three and D player in the league. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and then I and then Nas Reed off the bench. Like they have a solid bench unit as well. Kyle Anderson, for as weird as he is, he actually is productive. Yeah, I think know. you're more right comparing to comparing them to those Hawks teams. That's what it feels like because the Hawks were I, deep. Yeah, they had they had like some talent, but not like whoa talent. Like Demar Derozan, I think Anthony Edwards is better than not Demar Derozan. Why am I, why am I going Demar Derozan? <laughs> I'm thinking of the Raptors teams. I mean, you could even compare them to the Raptors teams. You could. Where it's like, <laughs> man, they just won 58 games, but as soon as LeBron comes to town, you're it's over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's enough on the T Wolves. Yeah. This is the number one team we should have we should have started the show with this. Is the Golden State Warriors? Shams yep. comes out and says everybody's on the trade. I don't. Was that a real report from Shams? Yeah, that apparently everybody but Curry's. Yeah. Okay. So everybody on the on the Warriors is apparently available for trade except for Curry, it, which is what it should be. A hundred percent. I've been. Pre, I think we did this back in twenty early of twenty two. I was like, mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's done. Clay Thompson's yeah. done. He is bad. He is. Let uh, me. Go ahead, go ahead. Let me counter that Clay Thompson point. I'm so glad you brought it up. Listen to these numbers on Clay Thompson. He's a step slower. He missed those two full years due to injury. He's a step slower right now. Since those two seasons he's missed, he has attempted 52%, 58%, and now this year, 60% of his shots from three-point range. He's not driving. He's not the Clay of old. And, 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 career low 3.4% of shots are zero to three feet, getting to the rim. Like, so 60% of his shots are threes, and he's shooting a career low thirty-eight and a half percent from three. That what like what does that tell you? And you used to be able to trust Clay to guard the best wing player on the other team. 
he is a liability now. And as much as I love Clay Thompson, I've loved watching him play these last 10 years that I've been really into basketball. It's time, it's time for him to have a reduced role. I know the nostalgia. I know the core. I know the big three of him and Curry and Draymond. But he's a liability to this team. Maybe not as much as Andrew Wiggins, which we can also get into. But he's a step slow this year. And it's very, very noticeable. You can't mask it anymore. Clay Thompson has just turned into J.J. Redick. That's what he is now. Into who? Into J.J. Redick. Yeah. He's yeah. Clippers J.J. Redick. Like, can, can we hide him on defense? But we'll still run some plays for him. You can come off a screen. He'll have one or two games where he has eight threes in a game. But, you know, Redick at the end of his career, way more of a liability than, than it was worth almost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's just he's just one of those guys now. Like, I don't think he's as bad as Kyle Korver, but, like, that's what he's turning into. We always knew this was going to happen with Clay Thompson. The injuries just expedited things. Well, it's two major injuries. And with the, with a guy like Clay, if you take away those injuries, his game probably would have aged like fine wine. He would have, you know, kept shooting the ball at a high rate and kind of had like a steady decline. But those two major knee injuries, lower body injuries like that, that that probably accelerated his drop off by like, I don't know, at least a couple of years. I mean, yeah. there's no way he would have been this bad this early without those injuries. And if you're the Warriors, you're sitting at 17 and 20 right now. You're 12th in the conference blown out their last two games by the Raptors and the Pelicans. I mean, just embarrassing fashion on national television last night. What do you do? What's the move? Because you have to salvage these last few years of Steph Curry's prime. He's not going to leave. No, he's no, you know, there's no trade Curry. Curry's leaving Golden State. None of that. What do you do to salvage it, though? Because you cannot waste these last few years because he's still one of the most productive players in the league. It's, tr- I guess, trade everyone. I mean, I don't know what you can do. I mean... None of those draft picks turned out. None of them. You have Kaminga, you have to look at your. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just Kaminga. He's just a great value version of Aaron Gordon. He's he's <laughs> just like a worse version of Magic Aaron Gordon. Then Moody, like what is Moses Moody? What is he like? Really, what is he? Gary Payton can't stay healthy to save his life. Looney, mm-hmm. what I mean, what is Looney at this point? I mean, he's just there. It feels like when you yeah. watch those games. I like Pajinski or however you say his name. I like him a lot. I think he's great, mm-hmm. but I I actually think he should be on the untradeable list. But yeah, I agree. Every single other one of these players, get rid of them. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is really the difference in this team. Yeah, Wiggins is unplayable. I mean, lowest PER of his career right now, lowest true shooting percentage, worst defensive and net ratings of guys that actually play on this team. He is literally unplayable in a lot of these games. No, he's turned he's turned into. He literally won the the day he won that that title. He was mm-hmm. like, "I'm done, career's over. Yeah. I've made my money. I've done it. It's over." <clears throat> and you can see it on the court. I mean, it is pitiful to watch. It is very pitiful, which is so sad because he was so damn good in the finals. Yeah, it was a great a great turnaround story. I want to get the TikTok camera out for this one, Carter, because I want to address the Warriors front office here. You've got three, maybe four years of Steph Curry left where he's actually in his prime, he's actually producing at this high of a level, getting his own shots, just still that guy. What are you going to do? you got to decide right now, are we going to just ride off into the sunset and Curry and Clay and Draymond, all those years of nostalgia, thank you for the championships, we're going to celebrate them every year and go 35 and 50, and you know maybe we'll get in the playing tournament, maybe not, but you know what, let's just be proud of what we've done in the past. Or are you going to say, screw it, 
We've got to move forward with Curry. We've got to rebuild around him for one last title run. Clearly, Draymond, Clay, Looney, Wiggins, even Chris Paul, that is not the supporting cast that will win you a title with Steph Curry. It's not. It's not fair to Curry, where LeBron has AD, Tatum and Brown, Towns and Edwards, Jokic and Murray, all these great duos. Who does Curry have? you got to decide right now, are we going to ride off into the sunset and celebrate what we've done, or are we going to make one more run at this thing and try to get another title before Steph Curry's career goes into the twilight. Because right now they're at a turning point, and they, they, they really have to decide. And you know what? Either way, they've earned the right to do whichever one they want. But if you're Curry, you got to be like, man, I love these guys. I love this team. But we got to do something now, or my career is going to end without any more title appearances. The issue is that the Warriors have, what are you going to get for Draymond and Clay? Realistically, I mean, think of a player. Who could they get? Like, are you taking a big swing with Zion? Would the Pelicans even do that? Would the Pelicans take on Draymond and Clay for Zion? I don't even think they would. It, no. It's really, who could you even get? Like, are you talking to the Hornets and getting Hayward and Rozier in? Like, that's where we're kind of at with this. I mean, I don't know exactly the, the assets the Warriors have as far as draft picks and stuff, but you got to be looking at swing guys like maybe a Siakam. I mean, maybe. I don't even think, I don't think Zach Levine would be a good fit. But it's something. It's better than what they have now. I just don't think they can be complacent and just be like okay with where they are. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's oh, the Clay Thompson stuff is over. Draymond, I think he can be serviceable. I just think it's if he's up for and he doesn't. Get he's suspended. a head case. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be on the Lakers very soon. What? However, well, he, this yeah. ends up, he'll end up being a Laker one way or another. Yeah, him and Kyrie, right? <laughs> but, yeah, apparently. Uh, I don't know. Last thing on the Warriors, I do think they will make a move. I think this is a, a franchise that is so used to winning and success. And yes, there's nostalgia there, but they haven't re-signed Clay yet. So I, I do think there'll be a move made at the deadline to try to improve this roster. And then this offseason has got to be, you've really got to look in the mirror and be like, what can we do? Every Everybody's on the board except maybe you know Curry and then maybe the rookie Pajemski. But you really, you really got to look yourself in the mirror and decide which direction you're taking this franchise. Because right now, bottom of the West, 12th in the West, I don't. I don't foresee it getting any better. Maybe they sneak in the playing tournament. You, you know what's crazy when you look at the NBA standings right now. This is kind of a different story or whatever. When you kind of look at the NBA standings right now, like it's almost flip flopped with the teams that are at the top and bottom. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the fact that we're Especially talking the about the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Clippers are the Kings, the Pelicans are the six teams in playoff spots right now. And then we're talking about the Spurs, the Warriors, even the Grizzlies, or even the Blazers, the Lakers, the Suns. They're not in playoff spots. This is crazy. You, you know what? Going off that point, you look at the 7th through the 15th seed in the West. Listen to this. And you tell me if eight years ago, or you know, 2016, 2014, this is what the playoffs were. Mavs, Suns, Lakers, Rockets, Jazz, Warriors, Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs. Those are nine yeah. teams. Eight of those teams were probably in the playoffs for like, I don't know, five straight years. Like, those were the top teams. Yeah, it's like the Grizzlies and the Jazz would take turns not being in the playoffs. Yeah, all those other teams, like Spurs, Blazers with Lillard, Warriors, Grizzlies, you know, the grit and grind Grizzlies, Lakers were always up there, Suns, Mavs with Dirk. I mean, those were the teams. The Thunder, I guess you could say, were in there too because, you know, the KD, Russ, and all them, but like, the Nuggets were never that good. The Clippers were never good. I mean, I guess they had like the Chris Paul thing, but like, I always think about the Chris Paul Clippers. Like, they were never going to win it. They were never going to win it. I agree. Never. 
which is so funny. That team was so talented, and you, you just knew they were never going to win it. Um, but yeah, Wolves are always bad. On, I think yeah. that's enough on the Warriors. I want to ask this question though. We were talking about the standings and everything. Yeah. Right now, the Suns are nineteen and eighteen. Lakers are nineteen and nineteen, and the Warriors are seventeen and twenty. Out of those three teams, which one do you think makes that second half run of the season and ends up in that four or five spot in the playoffs? I think it's the Lakers. I do. I don't think it's the Warriors. And, you know, you could say the Suns, the big three hasn't played together that much. But my answer is the Los Angeles Lakers. You've got LeBron and AD healthy playing all these games with these insane numbers right now. Something will be done. LeBron knows he's only got a couple years left. I think the sneaky answer is none. Really? Do you see any of these teams getting to a 4-5 spot? Really? No. No. I, I can see either. maybe one of them getting to like a 6 seed and avoiding the play-in tournament, maybe. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like the Lakers or Suns can get to that 6 seed. and But like, I see the Warriors finishing 10th. I, I see maybe the Lakers or Suns seventh, and then one of them gets to that sixth spot. I mean, one of these teams in the top six are going to fall off in the West. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. not. Maybe they're just healthy and they're playing well. Like, But can't you picture kind of, this? Suns, Warriors, play-in tournament, seven yeah. versus ten, KD yeah, versus it Curry. Again. It's like a crazy play-in game. Yeah, I, like doing that. It, it was uh, what was the Warriors-Lakers one. Was that two years yeah. ago? Yeah, the first year they did it is LeBron and Curry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it could be that again, which is so funny. It's so crazy. Let's let's yeah. talk about the Lakers for a second. Uh, they are awful to watch. They are so boring and gross to watch. They can't hit a three-pointer. They don't have any legit shooters on this team, which is so ironic because that's literally what you put LeBron around. Right. I feel like we the last 10 years we've been talking about basketball with each other. It's been, hey, what LeBron teams are successful? The ones where you have washed up Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose, and people that have to have the ball in their hands, or the teams that have shooters around him. Mike Miller, James Jones, Richard Jefferson, or uh, Del Vadova even, even. Just guys even that can Rodney shot. Hoods. Like Rodney yeah, Rodney Hood. Yeah. Corver was great with LeBron. Yeah, it's just but, those kind of guys. It's yeah. They are terrible to watch. Like I'll turn on a Lakers game, and after about five minutes, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It's yeah. not they're, entertaining they're dead- to watch. They're dead last in three-pointers attempted per game. Dead last on a LeBron team. Like, that used to be like LeBron. Oh, four out, one in, LeBron, pick and roll, kick out for a three. That has always been the formula. And the thing is, you can't even point to him or AD. Davis has missed two games all year. LeBron's missed three. And they are both playing. LeBron's playing 35 minutes a game. AD's playing 36 minutes a game, which is a career high for him. They are producing. They are playing well. This is arguably the best stretch of Anthony Davis's career. As far as health and production goes, on a winning or a, yeah, like winning team, but this is arguably the best stretch of his career. And so these these role guys, what do they do? Like, what's the trade here? D'Angelo Russell clearly is not going to be on this team in the future. Gabe Vincent has only played one or two games all year. He was supposed to be a big part. You can't really trust Austin Reeves every game anymore. What do you do? Rui's hurt. I mean, you got to play Vanderbilt more. I just don't see the answers on this Lakers roster currently. There's going to have to be a move made. Yeah, I think it's Cam Reddish, Max Steele. No, it, feel, it feels like they, it feels like they steal a hornet, doesn't it? It feels like they steal a hornet in the trade at the trade deadline. Somehow, like the hornets are so bad and they blow it up, which they should, and then the Lakers get rosier for like a bag of chips. Yeah, or Hayward. Like, it's just, yeah, they're gonna get one of these buyout guys. It feels like, or even Miles Bridges. Like, if yeah, the hornets maybe. like want to move on from him, yeah. 
goes and LeBron has a history of making these guys better. Guys like that. Like if Hayward goes to the Lakers, he will be relevant again, and he will be in that closing lineup. Yeah, and he'll all of a sudden be healthy for some reason. Oh, magical, magically. And that's Gordon and that's Hayward's why I was, and that's why I was betting on them to like get above that play in line out because I feel like there is a move that's going to be made, and somehow it's going to be they're going to get a good player for not a lot of in, assets in return. And that, that's how what I about, feel about this team. What about the Suns, though? I don't know about the Suns. I feel like we've had too small of a sample size with their best players actually playing. Because Beal was out, Durant's this. been out. Connor, this is why we took their under. We knew this was going to happen. We knew it was going to be like, wow, we're getting a lot of Grayson Allen. Even though he's played pretty well. He hasn't played bad. Yeah. You know, he's had a couple big games. But we're getting a little too much Grayson Allen, and we need more of the big three. They are. They have morphed into the Clippers. This Suns organization has morphed into the Clippers. You got the new owner who's super stoked on this team, willing to do everything to win now. You got the stars. You got Beal. You got Booker. You got KD. But they're never going to play together. They never do it. And I feel like this is just going to be a thing for like two to three years. It's just going to be a thing for two to three years where, oh, they play 14 games together all season. Yay. Because how many games have they played together all season? What, maybe eight, nine? Not even. No, I think it's been like four or five. Exactly. Exactly, and we knew this going into this season. They don't, and I remember we posted a TikTok. I think we were saying that the Suns were, we were talking about the Suns' win total under, and people were like, how do they not, the Suns are one of the deepest teams in the league. Buddy, have you watched them? Have you seen their bench? They're terrible. They're terrible when they have to go to their bench. On the season preview, I was like, I was praising them because of what they were able to get with the limited resources. When you have three max guys, you can only get so much. But you know what? I was happy with the pieces they got contingent on if those big three stayed healthy. That is the whole thing. This roster is not good enough to survive if even one of them is out for an extended period of time. Because like you said, then you're getting 12 Grayson Allen shots. You're getting 20 Eric Gordon shots. You're getting Utah Watanabe and Nasir Little and Metu closing the game and base Diop. You can't yeah. have that. And the number one question, it was always with the Clippers. And this year, you called it. The Suns have morphed into the old Clippers team. It's just what if. That is the number one question. What if Durant stays healthy? What if Booker, Beal, and Durant play an entire playoff series? Even the Brooklyn Nets team with Durant and Kyrie and Harden, it was constantly, what if? Well, if they can stay healthy. Well, if this breaks their way. Well, if Harden comes back. Like, that is always what it is with these teams. And we've seen it time and time again. You can't trust these teams that don't play together in the regular season to make a run in the playoffs. And that's where we're at with the Suns team. I think you, I think that's spot on. Well, let me ask you this. Uh could you name the top five leaders in three-point percentage in the league this season? Three-point percentage? Yes. Oh, my God. No, I couldn't. Um, it is a wild list. Wild list. As far as like, these people you wouldn't expect? Yeah. Is it is Isaiah Joe on there? Nope. Really? Yep. I think there All might right, be a list. Uh, read me the list. Uh, number five, Aaron Neesmith. 45.6% from the uh, from three. That's absurd. Number four, Doug McDermott, 45.8% from three. Number three, <laughs> Grayson Allen, 47.2% from three. He's been 47%. hitting. 47%. That's crazy. Shout out Grayson Allen. Number two, Kevin Durant, 47.4% from three. Damn. And then number one. The league leader in three-point percentage right now. Do you want to take a guess? What team? Or will that Bucks. give it away? Bucks? Oh, it's got to be Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley at 47.7% from three. That's crazy. That is, that is a that's wild an absurd list. list. 
that is really a is. wild list. Oh man, I mean, like, because whenever you see the field goal percentage, it's, it always makes sense. It's the big men that get layups and whatever. Right. But, like three point percentage, it, it's still crazy to me. And those guys aren't taking crazy volume threes. Even KD's not taking a super high volume number of threes. But but they're still uh, shooting them. It's not like they shoot like one a game. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at the points per game. I think it's very easy to name the top five. You yeah, try? Sh- Shea, Luca. Do you want to go in order or just name oh, the five? I just want to name the five. It's got to be Shea, okay. Luca, Embiid. Are those three right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shea, Luca, Embiid. They're top three. Oh, now you got One is tied for third, and then it's... there's five. Fox? Come on, you know this. I'm Giannis. Yep. He's tied for third with Shea Gilgis at 31.4. And then number five. Number five? I don't know. Come I don't on. know number five. You know it. You know it. This is hard. I don't know it. I'm, Kevin I'm Durant. Is it? See, I was going to say Durant, but I didn't think he – was he 30? 29.6. I didn't, I didn't realize he was that Katie's high. Katie's balling. What do you think He's about a- those rumors about him wanting out? I think you I made know. your bed. You got to lie in it if you're Kevin Durant at this point. Yeah, we say that about James Harden, but James Harden still gets his way. There's just imagine Durant, imagine Ishbia trading all that for Durant, and then Durant just leaving him high and dry a year later. That would just be hilarious. <laughs> Have you met James Harden? <laughs> like the <laughs> this is what the that NBA might be is the, now. That might be the end of the player empowerment era, where it's like, well, sorry, we can't let you get what you want because look at Durant and Harden. Look what they did. Yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just going to be military owners now. Like, nope, you guys are staying for life. Nah, David Tepper's wet dream. Yeah, David <laughs> Tepper's wet dream, I know. No, actually, David Tepper's wet dream is you leave three games in. <laughs> and throw a drink on somebody. Yeah, um, throw a drink. I want uh, to ask la- you this. Oh, uh, well, Hold ahead. up, I want to look at these stats real quick, see if there's any other interesting ones. Who do you think leads the league in minutes per game? I already know what it is because I wrote it down. It's Van Fleet and Tyrese Maxey tied. 37.4. That's a lot of minutes. Yeah. I, I was taking notes. Uh, I saw that. What, what were you going to say? Well, you know, we talked about Durant, Harden, and I was thinking about, you know, them together on Brooklyn and OKC. And then I was thinking of how far OKC's come. I want to talk uh, about them. We've went this whole show without missing the Thunder, who are right now 25-11, and 11, second in the Western Conference. They're a legitimate contender. I don't know if I can envision them winning an NBA championship this year, but they're a team I'm scared to play in the playoffs. I know that for sure. Yeah, I'd be scared. They are a little more legit than the Kings of last season. I completely agree. So they're a little more frisky. They're a lot better defensively than the Kings. They have a lot more length. They have better players. They're not quite there yet. The next year, next year they're going to have cap space. They have all these assets, and then they can really yeah. go in. I don't even know if they need to trade any anybody or any pieces. I think just another year with the same people and just get building chemistry, they'll just get better and better because they're so young. Yeah, they're gonna. It's they're one year away now. If you're a Thunder fan, all that matters this season is winning one playoff series. I think if you win one playoff series. That's a very successful season. You're in a great spot. Even if you get swept in the second round by the Nuggets or whoever, you know, Lakers, I don't care. Even if you get swept in the second round. But if you win that one playoff series, you get Shea Gilgis that experience of being the best player on a winning playoff team, winning that series. Just that little hump makes such a difference in just the mental space going into that next season. 
and they're, that's when they're going to be primed to make that next step. I, I think they're one year away. I think this is – you get that fun story. I don't think it's as crazy as like, oh, remember the 2014 Warriors? Like, watch out for something. Next year, 2015, they're going to take off. Mm-hmm. But I think they're on that trajectory. Yeah. Um, there's a couple points I wanted to bring up on the Thunder. I think you're right about that. I think that was a fair comparison to the Kings of last year. But Shea's better than Fox. Like, there's a whole they're, – they're a yeah, step up from I, that. I, I just think they're a more legitimate version of it. Like – yeah, I well, think, this Thunder uh, team. This, go ahead. I I think like the Kings are like a Kia, and I think the Thunder are a Honda. They're very reliable. They're gonna last forever. They're gonna be around for the long haul. Like a Kia, it's fun. It's really nice for you know a few years, but then you're gonna have your problems. All of a sudden, your transmissions <laughs> being acting weird. But the, the Honda's gonna last you till you die. <laughs> oh man, with the car comparisons. Yeah, this team, I, Carter. Go ahead. They're four. They're fourth in offensive rating, seventh in defensive rating. Shea is a clear cut. I mean, how high are we going with Shea? Like, he's probably the best guard in the league. If can, you, can I don't we, know if you count Luca as a guard, but can we talk about something? I know I, we always do this, and I, I apologize for doing this to people listening, but we have to. Don't don't say it. We the Hornets, the Hornets <sighs> traded Kobe Bryant and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like that happened. I know. What what stings worse? I think I think it's worse if you're a Clippers fan and you traded Shea for all this. But <sighs> because I don't I don't even think most Hornets fans realize we had Shea Gilgis and we drafted Miles no. Bridges. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a commonly known fact. But you know what? It's not shocking for a franchise like that to make a blunder like that. Not shocking in the slightest. <sighs> Anyhow, go. It on. does hurt Talk though. The question I want to ask you about the Thunder: Do they go for it now? They have a treasure chest of assets. They have draft picks. They have pick swaps. They have young players. They have contracts to match just about any deal in the league. I know you said they need another year. And, you know, in, in, in a hypothetical NBA world, that would be great. Maybe have a year or two. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. What if Chet gets hurt? What if Shea isn't as good next year? Which I don't think this is going to happen. But what if? Like, don't you have to take advantage of what you have right now? I don't know what trade would make them a serious contender right now. I don't know if it's a Siakam or a, some. I've heard people say Jared Allen or whatever. Don't you go for it this year while everyone's healthy, while everyone's playing at this high level, because you're banking on being healthy again next year and then or the next year, and then who knows if the stars will ever align. My comparison to this in the NFL is the Bills. They were Josh Allen. They were high-powered offense. They were like, oh, my God, Allen's best quarterback in the league. They're going to win the Super Bowl next year, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, that window slammed shut because Burrow, top quarterback in the AFC behind Mahomes now. Bengals came in. The Stephon Diggs-Allen thing hasn't worked out. McDermott's taking a step down. All of a sudden, just as fast as it started, the Bills window it seems like it's closed. If you're the Thunder, don't you have to go for it now? Okay, I, I I do think you have to go for it now or next year. I think you still have that. I think the window's open for a year and a half to two years for them to really go for it, make that okay. big trade. But I asked this earlier about Clay and Draymond. I think it's the opposite effect. I think it's who would you really want to give up on this Thunder team? I like everybody. I like everybody. I like Giddy. I like Chet. I mean, I obviously I wasn't Chet. I like Paolo more than Chet. But oh, you like Giddy. I, I, I do like Josh Giddy. I'm a big fan of his game. Okay. Off the court, I don't know. Jay Gelgis, Jalen <laughs> Williams. Like, yeah, yeah. This team is legit. You honestly, like, do you even need depth on this team? Like, I think the only thing you really want is, like, a veteran guy. You just need that veteran yep. guy that's won a title before. I think that's all they really need. I don't want to give up any of those pieces at all. 
Well, I don't think, see, when I say make a move, I don't mean trade somebody in their starting five. There's some weird minutes distribution with Josh Giddy this year. Ever since the whole incident, he's only playing like mid-20 minutes per game. Like, they do not play him a lot right now. There's You see a lot of Isaiah Joe and, you know, Aaron Wiggins, which is fine. I think they could get a valuable, serviceable piece, not necessarily a superstar, but for a few picks and maybe like an Usmani Jang or not Poku, but like one of those bench guys that they only play 10 minutes a game. So you're saying like bring in like a Siaka? Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Like a Siakam, they don't need a number one option. Shea is a top five player in the league right now. Without a doubt, he is a number one option. I'm not I'm not saying go for the number one option. I also think the, the Thunder are going to have to pay a premium on whoever they get because people know, like, hey, they know they're the rich guy in the room. Like, you got to yep. pay up. You're ba- like, you know, the rich guy goes to dinner. Hey, you're buying dinner, buddy. Like, I forgot my wallet. Like, this is just yeah, what it exactly. is. They're going to have to pay that premium. It's just, who are you going to bring in? That is there someone that you would bring in that you'd be willing to bench someone for? I guess you would say Josh Giddy, you'd be fine having him come off the bench or whatever. But realistically, outside of Pascal Siakam, like, hear me out here. What about Draymond to the Thunder? Shut up. I was literally about to say, <laughs> do you kick the tires on Draymond Green, Carter? That was the next sentence to come out of my mouth. I don't think you do. I don't think you do for the Thunder, but it's, it's worth mentioning. That was the I next think, thing I was going to say. Why not? If you if you can get him, you know, for fifty cents on the dollar, then sure. If you can get him for a first round pick and a swap and like an Ushmani Jang or something that you know, kind of just get the Warriors a little frisky, then I guess if the Warriors want to tear it down, they'll give him away for not full price. But he's kind of a head case. Do you trust him in that locker room to mess up this mojo? Because right now the Thunder are all playing for each other. They all know their role and they're all comfortable with it. There's a world where Draymond comes in and just screws all that up. Or there's a world where he just turns them into a championship team somehow. Like, does he have that veteran leadership? I, I think guess he's he has got a couple that. years I, left. Yeah. I mean, he's got the energy. I mean, he's got the not uh, what is it? Charisma, dog, I guess. <laughs> dog, yeah, I guess you could say dog. Like, he's got that still in him. He just feels like he is just plotting his move. He's like that dorky kid that just wants to play with the cool kids, and the cool kid is LeBron. He's like, please, I want to play with you so bad. Like, I'll do anything, and he'll just do these wildish things, like pick up poop with his hand just to play with LeBron. Like, I will do anything. I just want to play with you so bad, LeBron. Like, and then LeBron's like, like ah. going. And then LeBron's like, ah, maybe next week, or yeah, I got you in a couple weeks, like for sure. And then it yeah, just never dude, happens. like dude, we'll hang out. Yeah, or it's like the hot girl. It's like. Oh, yeah, we'll totally hang out. And Draymond's like, let's go, let's go. Yeah. And LeBron's like, He's telling all his friends. Actually. Yeah, then LeBron's like, hey, Kyrie, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> then you get like, you see a screenshot from one of your friends is like, did you see she's talking to this guy? It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But oh, I good. don't hate Draymond on the Thunder, but I do agree. It could F up all their mojo. Yeah, it's a risk that's worth taking. Maybe if you can find somebody that maybe is a little less of a head case, like a, I've heard Jared Allen mentioned. I don't think Levine would be a good fit at all, but just one of those guys that, you know, could come in and make a difference, but it's, you're not looking for an actual, like, top 15 player in the league. Like, they're not going to empty the treasure chest of assets at this point. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, that was it. That's all I was going to say. Oh, okay. Um, let's do a quick roundup. We're going to just run through teams. We'll do Hornets minute. I'm going to set a timer, and we're going to get 60 seconds to talk about the Hornets. Once that timer's up, we have to stop because they suck enough. I don't think we get to do more than 60 seconds on this team. So we'll do that uh, right now? We're gonna, I'm going to run through the other teams first, and then we'll okay. close with the Hornets. Uh, all right, the me. Bucks. Real quick on the Bucks. Yep. I don't think much has changed from our opinion either preseason or whenever we you know we discuss stuff throughout the year. I don't think anything's really changed. I worry about their defense. I like Lillard. I think the Lillard trade. I don't disagree with this Lillard trade. Like 
look, the regular season looks great. It's 25-12. Yep. They really haven't had to go all out in these games or whatever. But I think come playoff time, I think Lillard gets hunted by the Celtics. I think it's inevitable it's Celtics-Bucks in the conference finals. And uh, I still like the Celtics there just because I don't like Lillard's defense. But honestly, if you're a Bucks fan right now, like I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. Yeah. Not it's not the world ending, but like you're like okay, like it's all right. Well, they they had to make a move to keep Giannis happy, and this was the move. You know, get another superstar to come in, and they have sacrificed some defense. They're 21st in defensive rating, but their starting five is fourth in the league in net rating. Middleton's back from injury; he's playing 32 minutes a game in eight of the last nine, so he's kind of getting back to full health. When he's been okay, he's been mediocre. Yeah. The one thing I wrote down about the Bucks before we move on: they're giving up 53 and a half points per game in the paint per game this year. Their title year, three years ago, they only gave up 43 points per game in the paint. So I don't know if this new-look Bucks, not really any paint defense, is going to win a championship. But, yeah, Eastern Conference Finals appearance is probably the ceiling. They're primed for a buyout guy, though. A big guy, rim-running big, that they could just bring in. Like, not JaVale McGee, but a JaVale McGee-like. Something like that. Yeah. And Malik Beasley's been pretty good for them. I mean, you know, they've been okay. Hey, leading the league in three-point percentage. Yeah. He's he's slowly... Hold up! I have a take. I have a take. Oh, no. We have to get. Off, I have to get off my chest. That just popped in my head. Okay. Uh, is Grayson Allen the new Seth Curry? Explain yourself. I, I think I've. I think I've explained myself throughout this, but I think Grayson Allen is the new Seth Curry because you know he's leading the league in three point percentage, but he's also a guy you don't necessarily want the ball in his hands at the end of games but he's good enough to have on your team. You really want him on your team. You're like, he's awesome to have on your team, but you don't want to pay him 17, 18 million. You like him in that 10, 12 million range. Yeah. It's, it's like, he's good in theory, but once he gets too many shots or too much usage, it's like, well, maybe we but can go like, in a different direction. But you're like, Hey, Wednesday night against the bulls. Like I really like Grayson Allen. I really like Seth Curry. Yeah. I think that's a good take. And they're both Duke guys. Wow. You're just yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, <laughs> I wonder how that, that popped in my head. Uh, Sixers, real quick. Yep. Maxie's been awesome, and Bede's obviously playing out of his freaking mind, almost averaging 35 a game. They're they're looking better without Harden. It's a little addition by subtra- subtraction that you said earlier. Yeah, that was the number one bullet point I wrote down. Maxie leading the league in minutes per game, like we said, all-time high of player efficiency rating and an all-time high in usage rating for his career. And you know what that means? Ton of usage, but he's been more efficient in that role. I think it's insane the, the leap he's taken. I knew he'd be good without Harden. I knew he'd be unleashed, but I didn't think he'd be nearly this efficient. I thought it'd be like, eh, here's 20 points a game on 8 for 20 shooting every single night. But he's a legit guy on the Sixers. And when Embiid sits, which he has a lot this year, Maxi is really putting on a show. He's had a couple 50-point games. I, I yeah. would have never expected this. And that Maxi most improved ticket sitting in my, my MGM account. Oh, I love sitting it. In mine too. Sitting in mine too. It. Got a unit on it. Got a unit to win uh, 12, baby. Got a unit to win uh, 12. I'm so Embiid, excited about that. Embiid's leading the league in player efficiency rating. He's been awesome this year, but he has been sitting out a decent amount. But the, you know what? We said that before the year. He won his MVP. Now he doesn't really give a crap about the regular season. And he's going to be healthy for the playoffs. This is kind of the Embiid you want to see if you're a Sixers fan. This is this is where you're like, okay, like he's dominant, but he's you know he's picking his spots a lot more. It feels like. Yeah, I completely agree because he's going to be well rested for the playoffs. It feels like every playoff run for the Sixers, there's something wrong with him. Whether it's an, an orbital fracture in his face or a knee problem or an ankle problem, there's always something with him. So if he plays 60 games this year and forfeits a chance for the MVP, so be it. But I'd rather have him ready for a playoff run. He won his last year. 
Yeah, 100%. Let's quickly run through these teams. Pacers, uh, I think the honeymoon period of the Pacers is kind of over now that Halliburton's out. I think we're going to see them come back down to earth. I think they end up in that 6-7 range in the play-in spot, kind of like where like the Brooklyn Nets found themselves for a while, where they're just like, yeah, yeah. we're hanging around there. It's fun. It's like, yeah, you'll play at noon on opening day of the playoffs against the Raptors. Like, okay, yeah, on sure. Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, in the Texans go. spot of the NBA. Exactly. Yeah, the shaky it, spot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Knicks. Anything on the Knicks? I know they did that trade, but like, I don't, um, I don't feel any different about them. I had one bullet. They're 5-0 since the OG Ananobi trade, and through the first five Ananobi games for the Knicks, they're first in defensive rating as a team, and Ananobi is first in the league in the last five games in player defensive rating. So, you know what? They sacrificed some offense for some, for some defense, and maybe they maybe they win a playoff series, but I'm, I'm not I feeling like something? it's a game changer. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Cavs here in like 20 seconds, but... Why do Knicks fans want Donovan Mitchell so bad? He would not pair well with Jalen Brunson. I'm sorry. It'd be cool to say, hey, we have Donovan Mitchell and he's averaging 28 a game, but him and Brunson in the backcourt is a defensive nightmare. And also, we'll talk about the Cavs now. Donovan Mitchell's a sneaky cancer, in my opinion. I think he's the most underrated cancer in the NBA. We talk about, like, I think Cat was, like, in the running for a while. Obviously, that's died completely. Ben Simmons. Uh, James Harden, Ben Simmons, those guys. I think Donovan Mitchell's the new new guy in the league where like dang like I feel like Carmelo should be the poster boy for it. Like yeah. you're like you're never actually going to win with Carmelo as your best player. And yeah. Donovan Mitchell you'll get some like, take Yeah, you'll get some national TV games. Yep. You you can even get a one seed in in the in your conference. Like you can ball out. He can he can yep. have a 60 70 point night. But he's sneaky turned into a cancer. I want yeah, I mean, he, everybody cut him some slack his last few years in Utah when he wanted out and they're like, you know what? He's right. They haven't built a team around him. Let's get him out of there. But now he's only been with the Cavs for less than two years. And it's like, Hey buddy, come on. You just got here. Let's calm down. Why are you in trade rumors already? I'm with you yep. on that. Uh, he, uh, only thing I have on the heat, like it's same old, same old, nothing. Hami hockey has shout out. Adam Stanko looks great, but, uh, I agree. The only thing I have on the heat was, I thought it was hilarious. That report that came out that said, uh, the Heat delayed Eric Spolster's contract extension, uh, so he got to avoid it in the divorce. That was yeah, until the divorce was finalized. And that yeah. is just A1. I mean, I'm hey, sorry, Eric Spolster. Is, I wasn't is, familiar with your game. Yeah, dude, that is classic uh, bros before hoes. Uh, Pat Riley, dude. Shout out Pat Riley. Like That is an all-time like move. guy move. Like You're just like, dude, I got you, dog. Like That's Heat culture. That's what we that come is, to expect from this that organization. That is Heat culture. Eric Spolster's deal not being finalized till after the divorce, that is an A1 example of heat culture. Put it on the Yeah, that classic Miami right there in the city itself, too. Uh, Magic, <laughs> 21 and 16, they're obviously overperforming. They had that insanity run where it's just like, what the crap? Are the Magic good? Are they going to be a top four seed? No, things are come back down to earth. Wagner's going to be out a little bit. Paolo's going to have a crazy high usage rate in these next couple weeks. Uh, mm. I don't see it for the Magic long term, but I think they make the play in. Yeah, they'll be a playing team. There's there's a chance they could they could get an eight seed, you know, if all the cards fall right. But you know, Fultz is coming back from injury. Cole Anthony's been in and out of the lineup. There's they're a, they're they're a piece away from being competitive in the East. It's, you know, uh, there's they're a frisky team though. Yeah, nine Bulls, eighteen twenty one, blow it up Bulls. Uh, no. Oh yeah, there you go. I'll let you go ahead. Can I have a victory lap real quick? Um, for my guy Kobe White, seventh overall pick, late there. bloomer. Hmm. I hmm. like Kobe White out of the draft. I liked him a lot. I, 
I just got a couple numbers. They're 13 and 7 since Levine went down in early or late November. So you know what? You're right. They should blow it up. Because when your quote unquote best player or highest paid player goes down and you instantly start playing better, you know, th- there, there's your answer right there. Yeah, Zach Levine might be the poster boy for being a cancer on, a, on an NBA team. Well, him and Donovan Mitchell are the same where it's like you're not going to win with them as your best player. You just aren't. It's oh, just not going to happen. And, and they'll never take a backseat. Wait, so. should. No, we'll do it next episode. We'll do. Uh, all cancer team because I think Brandon Ingram might be joining this team. Oh, that's a good one. Wow, this is a good draft. Um, Kobe White last twenty games. So Levine, they're thirteen and seven since Levine went down. He's back a little bit now. Kobe White over the last 20, 38 and a half minutes per game, twenty three points, six boards, six assists, forty seven percent from the field, forty one percent from three. Those are insane numbers. I mean, those are like most improved. Those are. I don't know if he'll be an all star this year because his usage is going to go down now that Levine and Vucevic are actually back. But what, what a turnaround for Kobe White's career. He was playing like 15 minutes a game last year. He was behind like Dasunmu from Illinois. He was behind Caruso. Javon Carter even was playing over him. Lonzo when he was healthy. What a turnaround. I mean, he's, he's a bucket, dude. You can't even deny it. I'm, I just love to see it. Uh, Nets, I don't care to talk about the Nets at all. They're boring. They nope. are f- what, whatever. Uh, Hawks, disappointing. Very disappointing Hawks season. I thought Quinn Snyder would turn things around a little bit. Trey Young's kind of turning into like, all right, like, what are you, man? Like, what are we doing? Is he on the team? <laughs> I think he might be on the team. I think we're just cooking this team perfectly. I think we can just, we we just choose from the the sixth through eleventh seed in the East and make your team right there. I think Dejounte yeah. Murray probably gets traded too, though. That's probably the move they make. Yeah, Raptors. Uh, the RJ Barrett comes in. Yay! Qu- Quickly's cool. Quickly's a cool player. I mean, they're yeah. three and three since the trade. It just seems like they've sacrificed I, some offense. I some did defense. like Darko's comments. I did like Darko's comments calling out the did NBA you? with the Lakers refs. I'm big time. That made me like Darko a lot. Also, F. Evan Turner. If anybody, if, if someone, <laughs> if I, if I were to go on social media and say, "Oh, that rant was ruined because of his accent," I would get crucified. Meanwhile, Evan Turner's like, "Sorry, guys, all love." It's like the most half-assed apology. I would get crucified in the streets. I wouldn't get a job. And meanwhile, Evan Turner is just like, yeah, man, you know, whatever. And people are like, oh, Evan Turner, it's okay, buddy. No. Yeah. Also, I loved his rant. I thought it was perfect. It was it was perfect. Because guess what? If you watch that game, the Raptors got boned. I I agree. I did watch the game. Now, they, they were fouling a lot more, but there were some very, very yes. questionable calls. But I yes. think we need more of that in the league. Now, I don't want, like... I don't want people coming out every night and complaining about the refs and being like, oh, we got screwed and it wasn't it, our fault. That's what it'll turn into. Right. But I do like the well-timed rant. Like Van Fleet had a great one about the referee Ben Taylor last year. Funny enough, Raptors Ben Taylor again. I just I like that every now and then they'll come out and speak their mind. And I know Adam Silver doesn't want people criticizing the league and the refs, and it's not good for the league. But I do kind of like a well-timed rant every now and then. Just kind of puts things in perspective. It's like, oh, yeah, like these guys do have feelings and emotions. They're not all robots at the podium. And I also, I don't like the theory that refs should have press conferences. People are like, oh, refs should go to press conferences. Because <laughs> no. also, if you're a media member, you don't want to go to that either. You're just like, no, nobody's going to it. But the, the only way you're but, ever going to it is if it's like a national TV game and they had a huge call screw up. On a normal Wednesday night, Piston Spurs, nobody's interviewing the refs. Now, what I do like, hear, hear this idea. Now, Instagram Live and the NBA don't have a good relationship. But... <sighs> How funny would it be if an NBA ref every two weeks had to go on Instagram Live? Oh my god, they, they would quit their job. They'd quit their <laughs> job. That's it. I mean, that's just bottom line. And you know what? 
they are human and they do make mistakes, but there does have to be some accountability because even in the NFL, like some, this is out of control a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's skip the Hornets real quick. I want to close with them. Wizards, Pistons, they suck. They, yeah. We knew that, but like, holy tits, they're bad. Like, they are awful. They, they can't guard a park car. It is the, brutal. The thing is, this year's a, a draft class is awful. Like, I don't see one player in college basketball where I'm like, yeah, he's going to be awesome. Like, Kyle Filipowski is going to be a top – he's going to be a lottery pick, probably a top ten pick. Was he really an NBA guy? He's, a fifth, he's like a fifth, sixth guy. Like, he can be a guy that can come in and hit some shots, but, like, he's just like an improved Kaminsky maybe. Like, Yeah, it's nothing shoot. to write home about. Yeah, no, I agree. I this draft class is pretty weak. I hope he proves me wrong, but anyhow, uh, moving on, like we already talked about the Kings a little bit, like they're kind of same old, same old from last year, you know, they're frisky, they're fun, they win games, you know, light the beam, whatever. Pelicans, Zion's looked a little better since that in-season tournament, they, they've kind of put it together a little bit. Ever since Stephen A. called him fat and, you know, all this stuff was coming out about him and his weight and everything, he's been a little bit better, they've had some good wins, blew out the Warriors last night, I still don't know if I trust him to win a playoff series. No, but I do want to see Zion in the playoffs, though. That's I. I just want to see I that do too. if the flips, if the if the switch isn't flipped by then, then we'll then we then we're like, oh crap. Uh, yeah, Mavs. You know, whatever. Okay, Luke is awesome. Luke is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they uh, if, if they finish top five in the West, he he's a legitimate shot for MVP. And let then, me ask. You know. I was going to ask you this. Uh, right now, uh, who would you say is the MVP in the league? Oh man, that's tough because Embiid is like up there, but he's not going to play enough games. I would say Luca. Is it Tatum? No, I don't. Not yet. You don't think he's averaging almost thirty, thirty, what five and nine, and they're dominating right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. But Luca's numbers are insane. If the Mavs are anywhere near the top four in the West, I think he gets it. And that's coming from somebody. My only MVP bets were Luca and Tatum. I have a lot of money on Tatum, but I don't see it yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, we already talked about the Suns, Lakers, Rockets. That honeymoon period died very quickly. It's like, oh my gosh, the Rockets are back. They're going to be good. They're finishing 13th in this conference, maybe 12th. I don't think they. Can. I would say 12. The Grizzlies are going to be bad. Yeah, well, Jaws out, Marcus Smart's out now. But yeah, the Rockets—they were frisky for a while. It was fun, but the Rockets them and the good J- enough. them and the Jazz are going to have a fraud off for that 10th seed in the play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are because Golden, yeah, maybe Golden State too. They're they're going to be part of the fraud off. Jazz nineteen and twenty. They they just have the best home court advantage in the NBA. I firmly believe that with altitude and people not wanting to play there. Because like, I, look, I live in Salt Lake City. I was here last night. Uh, the Nuggets came to town. It's pissing snow outside. It's like ten degrees, and you're like, uh, Wednesday night in Utah. Like, dude, yeah. I don't give an f. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they're and they're so well be. coached too. Like, if they had like an actual good team, they would be really yeah. good. They replaced Quinn Snyder with just a younger and better version. Yeah, and Markkinen's awesome. You know, Jordan Clarkson's cool. It seems like this team's really bought in. Shout out Markkinen. Great cover (laughs) last night. But it seems like this team's really bought in, and they're not good enough from a talent standpoint to really compete in the West, but they're fun to watch. They can upset any team on any given night. Uh, Grizzlies, real quick, they're done for the season, basically, now that Jaws are off. Um, Was that sneaky the best thing to happen to the Grizzlies? Maybe so, but I'm, they looked okay with Jock coming back, though. I know, but that's what I'm saying is I think it's the best thing for them because they weren't going to get above a nine seed. Yeah, that's probably true. John missing 25 games kind of you know put them at way a way disadvantage to start the year. So maybe you're right. This this way they'll have an excuse to be bad. 
and get a good draft pick. Yeah. Uh, Blazers stink. They're awful to watch on League Pass. Um, yep. Scoot Henderson, same old, same old. Like a little bit of a disappointment so far. I mean, they've got like yeah. Brogdon and you know Rob Williams is hurt, but Brogdon will be traded soon. Jeremy Grant, he'll probably get up out of there once he's eligible to be traded. I can't believe they resigned him. It's do just a Rob weird. Will- do you see Rob Williams getting sent to like the Bucks at the trade deadline for some reason? Something like that. <laughs> that that's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good team. It'll definitely be a contender, and then he'll come back and haunt the Celtics. And then DeAndre yeah. Ayton's been out for like the last ten games. He's been a weird fit in the Blazers. It's like the Island of Misfit Toys in Portland. That's really what it is. Yeah, they just took in everyone. They're they're just like an orphanage. They're like, come here, you not wanted people. Like, yeah, play play for us for four months, and we'll get your trade value back up, and we'll send you off yeah. to a good contender. We'll just be the stopgap in between. It's like the Wizards and Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is going to go to a contender and be awesome. I'm excited for that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, Spurs are terrible. Wemby's fun, I guess, but Wemby the it, I just when I just don't think there's a plan with Wemby. Like clearly this year they were just like Wemby go out and play. It's AAU ball in San Antonio right now. They're like, yep, eh, just play. They're, they, there's no way they practice or prep for any of it. The, they're just like, yeah, go out and play. Just you know, just get in rhythm, get your shots up, get reps in. And then and he's next on this year, minutes we'll restriction right now. Yeah, like they're just like, yeah, get your reps in, but like don't get hurt. That's it. Yeah, and he's on like a 20, 24-minute restriction right now, which is like, okay, whatever. It wouldn't shock me if they set him the last like 20 games of the year because that's just what the Spurs do. He had an awesome triple-double last night or two nights ago in 20 minutes, and he's going to be just his length and wingspan is just insane. But, man, they, they're really wasting this year. I mean, they could have been a little bit more competitive, I think. They didn't have to be 15th in the conference. Yeah, but yeah, seriously. Here we are. But um, we called that. We called that. W- one point I wanted to bring up before we hit the Hornets minute. It's about the league in a whole. I was looking at some of this research. And I'll make this quick. I was looking at pace. Really, when I was looking at the Pacers. This year, 2023-24, there's 12 teams with over a 100 pace rating. And a pace, for people that don't know, number of possessions a team gets per 48 minutes. It's basically how fast you play and like the pace of the game. It's exactly what it says. 12 teams this year over 100. You go back 10 years ago, zero. In 2013-14, zero teams over 100 pace. And the first time a team was over 100 pace... In the last, you know, whatever, how many years, 2015-16, that 73-9 Warriors team, and then the Kings for some reason. But that was the first time we ever <laughs> saw that. So I just thought that was interesting how much basketball has changed in the last 10 years. I mean, you look at points per game, defense being played almost non-existent. The three-point shot is so much more prevalent now. It was just shocking to me that there's that many teams above 100 pace this year. It's the normal now. Yeah, I got on a YouTube rabbit hole uh, the other night watching old NBA highlights, and I was watching, like, it was like the entire fourth quarter of a Suns uh Suns Spurs game from like oh my God, 08, yeah. 09 or something like that, or like oh six maybe. And I was watching it and I was like, Man, this team was like revolutionary. This Suns team, they were the run and gun Suns, you know, fly three pointers. They were so slow. They and yeah. they were the fast team in the league. They were like this hit new thing in the league. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like well, looking the- at an iPhone like four. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's an iPod Nano. Yeah, that's literally what it is. Yeah, well, it just seems like when we first started watching basketball when we were in middle school and, you know, I don't even know, we were 13, 14. It just seems like teams... I was five. (laughs) Yeah, I I started watching before that, but when I really started to understand, teams just, like, ran more sets. There was more plays, more actions. It was less, like, freelance iso ball, less ball screens by the point guard. It was always like, oh, here's a big man, you come set a screen. Here's two people in the post, we'll go block to block, and... Now it's just like five out. It's just crazy how it's evolved, and I don't think it ever goes back. To be honest, there there will be some weird regression. 
it'll be a mix. But, it won't go fully back to that. But I don't think but we'll ever see like two seven footers playing together where it's like power forward and center on each block. It's like Ben Wallace and or you know, like Drummond and Greg Monroe or something like that whole You can't disappoint Roy Williams like that. I know. That was his thing. <laughs> we want Hitson and Zeller down there. Baycott and Garrison Brooks, you guys are good together. Isaiah like, no, Hicks, shoot threes. Get under there, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just thought that point was interesting. Um, you ready for Hornets minute? Yeah, we got to close with this. You know what's right, coming. Uh, real quick, the Hornets are 8-27. and 27. We're going to do a minute timer. for, And this is both of us combined. We only get a minute. I'll let you know when you're at 30 seconds. I'll let you start. Three, okay. two, one. I've never been more at peace this year than not watching Hornets games. It is so brutal. Their injury report every night is unbelievably long. Their entire starting lineup is on that injury report. Cody Martin played, what, five games, and he's already out. Lamelo's back on that ankle. Mark Williams, there's no update on his timetable for return. That injury report is so depressing every single night, and Rozier's taken 30 shots a game, which he has to. He's been awesome. Everybody else has been so disappointing, and I have never been more at peace with myself than not watching the team this year. I can't do it. I cannot sit down and watch a full game. Yeah, I agree 100%. Ditto to everything you said. Uh, other thing, is, like I said, it's a CVS receipt every night with the injury report. It's awful. They're terrible to watch. Steve Clifford's got to go. It's done. The Steve Clifford experience is over. Brandon Miller's fun to watch. I do like Brandon Miller a lot. LaMelo just has got to stay healthy for crying out loud. I don't care what it takes. Please stay healthy. Hornets, they ruin all our futures. It sucks. Uh, it's really depressing. I can't stand watching Hornets games. And that's our minute. At least they made the right call getting Brandon Miller over Scoot because I really thought they didn't. Thank God they yeah, didn't. Yeah, I don't know. And we could still be proven wrong on that. Let's be honest. Yeah, it looks like it right now. It's been, you know, 30 <laughs> games. But, yeah, depressing yeah. to watch for sure. That's Michael like, Carter-Williams. Didn't he win Rookie of the Year? Like He sure did. <laughs> he sure like, did. Yeah, that's, that's what we're doing here. But, anyhow, all right, that's it from us. Uh, great episode. Great episode. We'll be back. We're gonna, It's going to be NBA. We're going to do basketball every week now. Football is down to once a week. We'll do a recap once, like, Super Bowl and things really ramp up. Yeah. Conference uh, championship weekend. We'll do brief recaps there. But that's it from us. Uh, just make sure to subscribe at CarterCast on all social media, at Connor underscore Sparrow, at CarterBA, at CarterCast on everything once again. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you're listening. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Rate, review. Do what you got to do to help out. Uh, and then uh, be tuned, uh, stay tuned for uh, college basketball stuff as well. CarterCast.com will be back live Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Day is when the website will be back up. And uh, we'll be back mm-hmm. next week. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.